Jamie and I with you here in the Green Zone. Welcome into the Wednesday edition. I see uh, extreme cold warnings are back, so... But it's going to be plus one. Apparently next week is going to be plus one. Uh, Again, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, Coming up, uh, Britton Gray will be here for football at 4, even though it'll be at 5.30. Uh, He has been busy uh, backing up the uh, newsroom uh, today, being our utility knife. So, anyways, there's been a lot of chatter lately, especially when they announce these international events for hockey. Who would be on Team Canada? And then everybody goes and laments the goaltending situation. Well, who's going to play goal? Marc-Andre Fleury just got the second most wins. Canada ruled when it came to goaltending. TSN's actually dedicating a whole week talking about goaltending in Canada, especially elite goaltending. So I wanted to go local with someone who coaches uh, elite goaltenders, uh, runs a, of course, increased performance. He's also the goaltender coach for the Regina Pats, former Regina Pat goaltender himself, and those years in the WHL, uh, Daniel Wapple here on the Green Zone. Daniel, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, boy. Do, do you agree that goaltending is a concern now for especially international-level players in Canada? Um. I mean, I don't know if concerns the right word. It just we're definitely not as elite um, as other countries in that position for sure. Why? Because uh, here's here's my thing, Daniel. When you, you hear it in locker rooms, you hear you know coaches talking about goaltending, ha- having a hard time finding uh, goaltenders, especially if their goaltender goes down. Is, is are there less players opting to be goaltenders than? 10, 20 years ago? Um, it's honestly, it's a bit of a loaded question. There's so many layers to this. Uh, and it would start right down from, in Canada, the minor hockey level. Um, minor hockeys haven't given goaltenders the support that they've needed um, from a young age. And that's part of the problem is, for, for a number standpoint, is a lot of kids, they get disinterested because, let's face it, um, and it's it's nobody's fault. It's just the way it is. But we talk about a minor hockey coach. Well, ten, nine out of ten of them will have zero goaltending experience. So um, even if there's a few assistant coaches, like maybe once a goalie dad that tries to help the goalies, but that's only um, a certain extent, right? So um, that's where it stems from. And then when it comes to keeping up with other countries, uh, to go full circle, if I had the answer for that, I'd be a hundred millionaire. But um, the biggest thing is just making sure that, like, we, we look at Russia right now. Russia is absolutely dominating. They have arguably three of the top five best goalies in, in the NHL. And they're freak athletes, and they're doing things differently from a very young age. They're very athletic. And I feel like in Canada, we've gotten so... Um, so technical, so young with some of these kids. So they're, they, you've probably heard of the term robotic and, and robots. And I feel like Canada's uh, spinning out a lot of those because from such a young age, goalie coaches are making basically making decisions for kids and putting them in these controlled environments rather than just letting them find ways to stop pucks. 
um, to really build that athleticism in it, as well as kids aren't playing other sports as well. So um, we're, we have to find different ways to build that athleticism inside the kids um, because they're not getting it. From when I grew up playing, I played every single sport, and I was very athletic. So it just translated into my goaltending game. I didn't have a goalie coach growing up, but that's, that's, that's a big thing now with kids is that they're not playing other sports, they're just playing hockey, so that's fine. But we now have to adjust and try to find ways with our training to how to make them as athletic as possible. Daniel Wapple joining us, Regina Pats, a goaltender coach, uh, does uh, work, of course, increased performance uh, working with goaltenders. So what, when they come to you, are you already seeing guys who are like technically sound, or like are you looking at goaltenders, as you said, because they're being coached by maybe not goaltending guys who were goalies back in the day, that you're going, okay, there's a lot to work with here now that you've gotten to this stage. Yeah, you know, I see it all with our company. Uh, I have two full-time guys under me as well, and we see the the raw of the raw with first-time goalies that step on the ice for the first time all the way up to guys that are starting to get ready for pro. So I I see all sections all the time. Um, the, the biggest thing, I do like working with um, the Pats and that level. It's, it's great. But what um, kind of, I don't know, it fascinates me the most is taking somebody uh, like a seven or eight year old that's really raw and hasn't had any coaching or anything um, and like putting everything that I've learned over the past five years into them to basically mold them into into a goaltender. To me, that, that excites me the most, which is kind of weird. But, um, but yeah. Are you somewhat, you talked about athleticism. Uh, there's a lot of coaches, like football coaches, baseball, give me an athlete. I'll, I can coach athletes because, and how, you talked about athleticism. How important is that, just period? Be athletic more than right away worry about the technical side of the position. Well, that's where it starts, Fred, right? If you're not an athlete, um, it makes it it makes it makes way harder. There's got to be a bit of a balance. So even when we get our young kids in, um, we try to do as many drills as possible that makes them think and read and react rather than just like, okay, we step out, we know the shot's coming from here. Like all those things are great to work on those specific skills sometimes, but then you get in a game and it's like, what the hell's going on? This is not like I was doing on the ice, right? Because a game is organized chaos, right? you got to be able to read and react. Things happen that you basically just have to be able to anticipate plays and be one step ahead of it. And so we try to do as much training with um, working on, like, their brain development and their decision-making as fast as possible as well. Daniel Wapple joining us, goaltender coach for the Regina Pats, also at Increased uh, Performance talking about goaltending is a lot of it's being in the the spotlight a little more especially internationally for Canada how much does affordability weigh in to the amount of goaltenders I, I know a lot of parents will like wince and you know they can see the money leaving their wallet once uh, their son or daughter says I want to be a goalie yeah um, I don't think there's any beat around the bush with this, I think it definitely is one of the most expensive positions in all of sports. And yeah, like we're constantly trying and working on online development programs to try to make them as affordable as possible to give kids resources and parents resources. Um, but yeah, like they, especially we just talked about gear alone. 
Like if you walk into a, uh, a sports store and you, let's just say you, you, you pick the top of the line, everything for, we'll say a 15 year old kid, like you're looking between five, like almost close to 10 grand. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not cheap. Like there's no denying that. Is it a position that hockey organizations, Hockey Saskatchewan, Hockey Canada, should try to help offset some of that cost. Like uh, we were, I was talking, uh, my producer back in the day, we're the same age in our forties. And, and he reminded me of this. The minor hockey association had equipment. Like it was shared equipment. It was like, here's the bag. The parents didn't have to buy the equipment. It was just there, uh, yeah. especially in the early stages to get kids interested that it's not such a steep price tag. Yeah. I, I think a lot of minor hockey still do that um, for the young, young kids. Um, but yeah, I mean, I work with alongside a lot of minor hockeys. We actually partnered up with hockey Regina this year, which has been fantastic. And they actually, um, they got all their U13 and U11 and U9 goalie sessions at our, at our facility, as well as, um, with our online programs, they got them for all their parents, uh, coaches and kids. So, so that was fantastic. And we also work alongside, uh, minor hockey is like not not it's funny because it's the same problem everywhere i've had conversations with probably 50 minor hockeys in uh usa and it's no different i met with hockey usa and it's it's the same thing everywhere so it's not just a local saskatchewan thing this is a global problem and we like i said if i had all the answers <laughs> i'd be a hundred millionaire but uh, we're definitely trying our hardest to make it as affordable from the online side of things just to give parents and and kids' resources that they can do even at their own team practices, even if they don't have a specific goalie coach there helping them. Well, Daniel, it's interesting you talk about uh, the early going and, you know, teaching athleticism, just put the puck on the ice, let them figure it out early, and uh, some of the uh, coaching maybe are lacking at the younger age uh, being part of the issue. I very much uh, thank you for helping us uh, go through this with your expertise between the pipes. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Daniel Wapple joining us. He is a former Regina Pat goaltender coach for the Regina Pats. Also, uh, of course, uh, one of the leads at increased uh, performance. Uh, and probably if you have a goaltender in the area, uh, you know Danny uh, Wapple uh, from the work he's doing. As we continue here on the Green Zone, and it's it's interesting, TSN and SportsCenter are doing a goaltender week focusing on what happened to the goalie. But Dan, right off the bat, Daniel said it. You have these kids at a younger age, and they get disinterested because they're not being coached. It's like he's the goaltender, go stay, sit there and drop the or stop the puck, and okay. And then the pressure of feeling that you're to blame for every loss because the puck went in. It's not a friendly position uh, by any means, an important one, and. I remember as a kid, I wanted to be goalie. When they they said they kept saying no because I was too small, I was like, I, my cousins were goalies, and this is how it worked. When I went to my cousin's place, they were goalies. So when they had an outdoor rink, I would put on their equipment, and they would be forward because they were they were always in net. So I was like, I couldn't wait uh, to be a goaltender. But affordability is also also a big issue, and we'll see. But when you look at the elite level and the upcoming international tournaments, if they go to the Olympics, 
it's pretty obvious when you when you look at Vasilevsky and you look at Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko and you go down the list of the top goaltenders in the NHL, not many of them are Canadian anymore. Where back in the day, you were throwing Luongo, Brodeur, Wah, Cujo, over, you know, it didn't matter. Brodeur lost the job to Luongo, right? Way back in the day. Brodeur took the job from Wah in 2002 uh, to win that Olympic medal. Way back, it was Grant Fear. Ron Hextall, and I i forget the third goaltender way back in the 87 Canada Cup. So, yeah, there's depth there. Might have been, was, it might have been Chico Rush, actually, who might have been the third goaltender on that team. Now, more coming up here on the Green Zone. Britton Gray, as we uh, move football at 4 to 5.30 this afternoon on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I with you here on a Wednesday afternoon on the Green Zone. Uh, 87 Canada Cup. So, looked it up. It was Kelly Rudy who was the third goaltender of the 87 Canada Cup with Grant Fear and uh, Ron Hextall. Uh, when you talk about Canadian goaltenders, of course, Dominic Hasek broke on the scene with Czechoslovakia uh, in that tournament. Um, the U.S. had Tom Barrasso, John Van Beesbrook, a Beezer. Uh, was there. But now when you look at the elite, some Finn goaltenders, Swedish goaltenders, Russian, and a lot of really good American goaltenders uh, right now. Uh, so we'll see what happens. So is it 2025? They're talking about the international tournament where we might finally get to see it. Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon playing for Canada with hmm? who knows who's going to be playing goal Carter Hart maybe of the Philadelphia Flyers might be the number one pick to 10 net for Canada I'm Jamie Nye this is the Wednesday edition of the Green Zone Love hearing extreme cold uh, warnings back in the province with the, maybe some snow coming in uh, later tomorrow morning. Um, and yeah, but eventually, eventually it's going to warm up, apparently, like next week, maybe. Although they keep on pushing that warmer temperature further down the line. It was like supposed to be like minus two on Tuesday. Now it's minus seven again. So see, you just keep pushing that. Carrot down the road. Congratulations if you're heading out of this and uh, heading to Cuba or Mexico or wherever it is, Jamaica. All of a sudden, it sounds like a Beach Boys song. Um, but right now, we're, we move football at 4 to 5.30 because Britain Gray, Swiss Army Knife, uh, here on the Green Zone, he does it all. What, what are you slamming your head against the microphone for? That's how I feel dealing with this weather right now. <laughs> I was like, are you still are you still upset about the Cowboys? Are you is that what is that what's happening? Mike still has a job. Mike McCarthy <laughs> is still the Dallas Cowboys head coach as of right now, and it has me irritated as heck. 
Have you did you you didn't start the Twitter account? Is Mike McCarthy fired yet? I was hoping I wouldn't have to. I was hoping I would just wake up to some good news this Wednesday. You know, we were supposed to be out of the extreme cold. Everything was on the up and up. Mm-hmm. So much for that. And here we are. Um, regarding Jerry Jones and what might happen once he meets with Mike McCarthy, nobody can accurately predict the decision of the Cowboys owner who moved on from Jimmy Johnson after back-to-back Super Bowl wins and yet had the patience for nearly a decade of Jason Garrett. Uh, that's the latest from Ed Werder, uh, who is in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth for uh, ESPN. But are they meeting tonight? Today? After exit meetings, I assume today, tomorrow, and then we'll see if. How I... will you feel if Mike McCarthy does return as head coach? Like it'll be a twelve-win season, and they'll just lose again. Is that what's going to happen? It feels like I'll just be stuck in an eternal nightmare that continues to go on and on that I'll never eventually wake up from. Which is what Jason Garrett was with eight and eight. Eight and eight. Eight and eight. You can hear the pain in Britain's voice. <laughs> this this loss hurt, Jamie. That that like that was the most embarrassing Cowboys loss, I think, in and of in Cowboys history with everything that was it was at home against a quarterback in his first season starting, first playoff game, and they got blown out. Like the mm. last score, whatever it is, it was forty eight to sixteen. That was the final score. Okay. It didn't matter. Okay, let's move on from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Thank you. I'm going to make my NFL picks because I'm away the next two days. Uh, you you can make them with Drew uh, later in the week, um, but you can agree or disagree uh, as we go through the schedule. Uh, will they play in Buffalo on Sunday night? Who knows? Uh, with more uh, bad weather expected there. But uh, Texans against the Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah, I'm, take- I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens over the Houston Texans. Well, C.J. Stroud looked good. Defense looked good uh, last week, but uh, Baltimore is a pretty darn good football team. The only concern you have with Baltimore is that they have struggled with playoffs with Lamar Jackson when even when he's been healthy. He just hasn't had that playoff success. I don't foresee the Houston Texans beating the Baltimore Ravens, but weirder things have happened already this playoffs. so... <laughs> Uh, yes, they have, as you were talking about the Dallas Cowboys uh, loss. I, I'm, I'm looking back. Were there any uh, upsets in last year's divisional playoffs? Um, Cincinnati went to Buffalo and won 27-10, but Joe Burrow winning wasn't that big of a deal. And no, San Francisco beat Dallas. Philadelphia beat the New York Giants. And so when it, I want to pick the Packers against the 49ers. I really do. I want to pick the Packers. Jordan Love looked good. Aaron Jones looked good. But <laughs> I I don't expect Brock Purdy and with the weapons they have to implode like the Dallas Cowboys did. So I'll p- also pick the uh, 49ers. Yeah, I mean, that's a bunch of Hall of Famers and Brock Purdy giving them the ball. So it should be interesting. Green Bay just looks good. Like, you talk about a team getting hot at the right time and peaking. That appears to be Green Bay. But I just think there is way too much talent on that San Francisco 49ers. It just 
not only just a lot, but a lot of different positions. Mm-hmm. They have the best or top five in the league. Although, so. although the 49ers haven't really played that big of a meaningful game in a few weeks, right? Rest, mm-hmm. been able to rest. Maybe the Packers can surprise them, but I don't know. Buccaneers, Lions in Detroit. That's another one I'd love to see Baker Mayfield win against Detroit, but that's a lot of weapons on the Lions, and I don't expect them to employ like the uh, Philadelphia Eagles did either. Yeah, we'll see how dangerous Baker feels when he wakes up that morning. He Baker's playing for a contract. Every win he gets now just adds to the contract he is going to sign, which I assume it's going to be in Tampa Bay. I don't know how you can let Baker go after the season he's given you. And Detroit, Jared Goff, that is kind of like like a quarterback who hasn't really proven it a ton. He's been to a Super Bowl, but that was un- behind Todd Gurley essentially mm-hmm. r- rushing there. Yeah, that's that should be good. I'm excited. I, I good want, for Lions fans. I, I want Tampa Bay to win. I, I'm <laughs> cheering for Tampa Bay. I'm cheering for Green Bay, uh, but I'm not expecting them to uh, win. Then we got Kansas City against the Buffalo Bills. Now, this one's the weird one for me. Last week, I would have picked Buffalo. But with the injuries they suffered in their game and on a short week to prepare where Kansas City played Saturday, they have an extra two days of rest getting ready for this game. I wonder how much of an impact that's going to have on the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes 7-0 and in wildcard and divisional round playoff games. So hasn't lost yet. For some reason, the Buffalo Bills cannot get over the Kansas City Chiefs kind of hump in the playoffs. They can beat them in the regular season, but come playoffs, Kansas City always finds a way. I would like to see Buffalo win because I really like Josh Allen as a quarterback. I think he's exciting in what the league needs. Plus, what what fan base deserves a, a big playoff run other than the Buffalo Bills and what they've kind of gone on in their history with the losing four mm-hmm. straight Super Bowls. But I just still can't bring myself to pick against Patrick Mahomes, despite the fact he's throwing the football to no one. They didn't even have Kadarius Tony last week, and they still managed to score a bunch of points because Isaiah Pacheco is the most dynamic uh, non-Mahomes player on that team. It's wild that outside of the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game away from Arrowhead. This will be his first road start in his career. That's mind-blowing <laughs> to me. They've been good. That is so, the, the cream of the crop in the AFC. I'm going all home teams. It rarely happens all home teams win in the divisional weekend. I I, I can go back a while. I don't know. Maybe it's been a while since every home team has won on divisional weekend. So you're taking Buffalo. I am taking Buffalo. I, I I'm worried about it, though, because Kansas, like, this might be a one-point game. This might be 21-20 type football. I hope it is. It's usually a classic with the Bills and the Chiefs. That's why I'm going all home teams this weekend, although I'm cheering for upsets except for Kansas City. Don't don't. (laughs) Don't want that. No. I'll have to put a little bit As a Raider fan, I don't really appreciate the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) It's like you with the Eagles. Like, come on. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'll have to think about it a little bit more, but I just don't see where the big upset is coming, though 
I guess depend. I guess Kansas City is where your upset is. That's not really an upset. I know though. Buffalo is. Well, I think I saw was it two and a half points. I think which is essentially a pick them mm-hmm. because they give because uh, home teams get favored a little bit more anyway. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, some CFL news: Dominic Rhymes out in British Columbia with the Lions. They mutually agreed to part ways because they asked Dominic Rhymes to take a pay cut, and he went. Mm. I know what my buddies are making in the receiving core, so okay, I'll go make money somewhere else. How interested should the Rough Riders be in Dominic Rhymes? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being pay the man, get him here at all means possible. Eight? I don't, I don't think you have to go out and break the bank for him, but he is a dynamic playmaker. It's going to depend what Dalton Schoen makes because he's going to set the market for the wide receiver uh, free agents in the CFL. But I think there's a spot for him. I was trying to think it was, you had Sean Bain Jr., Sam Emelis, Keen Schaefer Baker, and then Brayden uh, Lenius is going to come back. And then you had kind of that Tevin Jones spot with Mitch Picton. I, I think Rhymes could kind of give you another big body, which is what this team needs, a big body in the red zone. Absolutely. Uh, Jake Winnikes would be is yes. still on the roster, but Dominic Rhymes is an upgrade over that uh, to help. And, of course, he's a little familiar with Trevor Harris. They, uh, His first two years in the league were with Ottawa with Trevor Harris uh, for Dominic Rhymes. And we now know that Stanley Bryant uh, apparently took a pretty big pay cut uh, to stay in Winnipeg with his new deal, uh, saying to win championships, kind of a hometown discount for Stanley Bryant. I mean, I think that's the only way you could sign Stanley Bryant was sitting him down and being like, it's got to be a pay cut. You're just at that point in your career. We do need to pay these other younger guys. If you want to stick around, it's going to be a pay cut. Obviously, Stanley Bryant, that's that's where he's really Mm-hmm. made his uh, money being the one of the best offensive linemen in the league. So it makes a lot of sense. And, hey, that we talk about culture. That's the culture they have in Winnipeg for years. These guys have taken pay cuts to stick around to try and win titles. And so it appears that that is once again the case uh, for the Blue Bombers, which I'm sure has Ryder fans real irritated. Although uh, what it would appear on social media, it might be Dominic Rhymes returning to uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, with his familiarity with uh, that organization, as I mentioned, where he started. That's football at 4 at 530 uh, here on the Green Zone. Coming up next, Champs and Chumps on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. You two are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on. You're smashing. You tried your best. And you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You're an idiot. Ah, you're a bad person. Each and every day, one champ and one chump. Uh, the chump is uh, the NBA, uh, the National Basketball Association. Um, Mike Brown got fined fifty thousand dollars uh, for his uh, rant against the officials. Let me see that man. I just want to show you guys why I got kicked out of the game right here this is in the first uh this is in the third third quarter with 128 left to go in in, in the third and right here you can watch you can watch go back and watch he uh fox barely puts his hand on uh on dame's hip so he goes on for like three and a half minutes breaking down video of some of the calls that he took issue with so that got a fifty thousand dollar fine but because that gets fifty grand 
And Darko Ryakovich of the Raptors? That's outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. He, he called it BS and He's shame. He's back. It's a complete crap. Those words were never uttered by Mike Brown. He just said they're inconsistent. This is my issue. Watch the tape. Here's this. And he got his hand here. And I've been told you have to have two hands in the air. But my guy gets his elbow down and they call a foul. But I don't I don't get it. He didn't understand it. So we got a $50,000 fine for educating the media. But he used a laptop. If Darko would have brought a laptop in, he would also got a $50,000 fine. So that was a $25,000 mistake, apparently. The guy calls a crap BS shame on the officials, gets a $25,000 fine. One coach with video evidence gets a $50,000. I didn't understand. I don't like it. It's criticizing the officials. is criticizing the officials. It should always be a $25,000 fine. But Mike Brown didn't say crap, shame, or any of the other stuff that Darko did. He's just educating the media. And sometimes we need it. Uh, the champ, in another bit of audio today, goes to the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for not completely lighting up the reporter. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't... Um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. Other coaches would have been ruthless. But he's like, I think he handled it the best he did without completely going off on the... Are you serious? Like, no. Very good on Todd Bowles. Calm. Answered that question the best he could without completely embarrassing the reporter who should have been embarrassed. 